The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcast. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Stacking the Box. To subscribe, hit us up on Google Play or iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you. Here is Stacking the Box. Stacking the Box, June the 9th. Good to be with you, Matt Berteram, in a very interesting time for the NFL. A lot of players stepping up. Roger Goodell stepping up. What? is going to happen with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Verderam, let me just you know get your thoughts here on the whole wad of what's going on right now. It's been a very interesting time. I didn't even mention Drew Brees. A lot, a lot of different storylines. And um, I think the NFL overall, is it, it, they're certainly in the discussion. Let's let's put it that way. Oh, there's no question, Carmen. I mean, obviously, look, they're, they're front and center. They're the biggest sport in America. You could argue they are the most visible entity in the United States in a lot of ways. They set the tone for legions of people in the country. And so let's not forget, I think to to really frame the conversation, you've got to go back three years when players were kneeling on the sideline uh, after Kaepernick had been blackballed. So he kneels in 2016, 2017, the players are kneeling and there's a big pushback against it nationally, right? Trump has just become president. Um, You know, there's this, you know, the, the, the owners, a lot of them were very resistant to it. Roger Goodell came out, the NFL came out and said, look, we'd really like for players not to be kneeling on the sideline. If you're going to protest the anthem, do it by staying in the locker rooms. There was a ton of pushback. Now, fast forward to today. I think the biggest difference is today, it is a societal protest. You have people marching in the streets. You have them, pro- you have them protesting, in some cases, even rioting across cities everywhere in the United States. That wasn't the case. Three years ago, it was largely born out of Colin Kaepernick kneeling to bring the issue of police brutality against people of color to light. And then other players joined in that movement. Now, it is much more than that. It is a societal issue that has mushroomed into a national crisis. And so I think for the league to go against the players here would also be the league, in a sense, going against what most people in the United States want if you pay attention to some of the polls across the country. I don't know that the NFL had much of a choice. I'm sure they would have loved to have stayed on the sidelines, so to speak, and not gotten involved. But with the way the country is going right now, with everything that's gone on, then you factor in, I know we're going to talk about it here in a second, but the player's video that came out Thursday, a very moving 70 seconds, where you had black stars in the league, including Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, saying, look, National Football League, we want you to come out and talk about systematic oppression of black people and that black lives matter, and that you guys were wrong for not being with us in the first place. When that happened, 
the NFL was under a massive amount of pressure. And then coming out almost 24 hours later, Roger Goodell from his basement in Bronxville, New York, saying, look, you guys are right. And I'm going to say everything you want me to say. Let it be clear. There is no backing down now for the NFL, period. Like that is our stance. They've got to stick with it. Trump's already come out against Goodell. He's come out against Breeze apologizing for what he said on Wednesday to Yahoo Finance about, you know, the, the kneeling is, is disrespectful to the flag. The NFL has put itself now firmly two feet into the ground with its stance, and it is going to have to weather all storms coming to it. And I think they knew that, and they're ready for it. Okay, so there's a lot of questions on the table here as to how the NFL will move forward. And the number one question is, is to me at least, is Colin Kaepernick going to get a job? Are they going to write that wrong? The conversation, you know, people might want to remember, you know, you, you, the history of it. Kaepernick started sitting. Nate Boyer, a Green Beret, came to him, hey, that's disrespectful to the military. Why don't you kneel? Because that's considered a sign of respect. So the conversation that he was disrespecting the flag or the military or veterans, any of that was always ridiculous. But of course, the conversation went in a way that the narrative got lost at the time. So now I don't know if we're going to redo the narrative to all that, but I do think from an NFL standpoint, if I'm Roger Goodell and I'm sitting up there a day after the player's video, which is amazing, and I'm making the statement that I'm making, I am calling up owners and saying, listen, he needs to be at least in a camp at bare minimum. And ultimately, the guy should be on a roster. He left the NFL. He was the top 23rd to 35th quarterback. Yep. There's, no, there's no denying that. And he's only 32 years old. To me, that uh, you know, and a lot of people are asking the same thing here. Is the rubber going to meet the road? Are you going to bring Cap back? And then I think the conversation will turn, well, does he want to be back? Hey, man, the dude went to a tryout last year. Clearly, he'd like to have his career back. So I don't know. Where do you think we're going on the Kaepernick side of things? I think he's going to get signed. I absolutely think he's going to get signed. And here's why. The NFL and every other business in America, it's about money. And guess what? It's also about optics when you start to become that big of a business. The NFL for years shied away from Colin Kaepernick because the optics of it for, for too many people were not good. It was a situation where people did not want to see him in an NFL uniform. A lot of people in this country, he was a lightning rod. And don't get me wrong, he still is a lightning rod for a lot of people in this country. But now the script has flipped. You're going to have a lot more people in this country maybe than three years ago who say, you know what? What happened to him is not right. He deserves a job. Now, do I think he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL season? No, not without it. No, I don't. But I think he's going to be on a team. I absolutely do. And look, the NFL couldn't ignore it this time around, okay? The last time with Kaepernick, as you mentioned, he was a fringe NFL starter at that point on a bad Niners team. The second I watched that video from the players on Thursday night and I saw Deshaun Watson, my ears perked up a little bit. But I'll when I saw Patrick Mahomes looking at the camera and say, we want you to say Black Lives Matter, that was it. Because he's 24 years old. Okay. He is a, a, a black father, a white mother. He has talked multiple times about being a black quarterback in the NFL. Okay. When he did that, that was the NFL was painted into an extremely tough corner. I want to, I want to shout out Jason Reed over at the Undefeated, who does great work. And he wrote about this yesterday. And I wrote my column about it on Monday. So you know, Jason, 
I, I thought it went much deeper than I did. I just touched on it. But he talked about, you know, he talked to people in the NFL who uh, who said, look, when we saw Mahomes, we knew that was that was the end of this. We have to we have to respond. This time around, there's a lot more pressure on the NFL to do the quote unquote right thing. And I, and for me personally, I take the quote unquote off it. It is the right thing. He deserves to have a job in the NFL. I don't care, with all due respect to anyone who's listening, I don't care where your political leanings are. This is a man who should have a job at what he's good at. He is a great football player. Now, compared to other NFL quarterbacks, maybe he's average. But he's a hell of a lot better than some of the clowns in the league right now. Let's just call it what it is. It, would you rather have him or Matt Barkley, the, the Bills' backup quarterback? I'm not trying to you know, crap on Matt Barkley, but I, let's be real. Like Matt Barkley would tell you he's not as good as Colin Kaepernick. So. I think the league, like they, they did what they had to do. And I, and I mean that in a literal sense. They had to back the players. Now they're going to have to deal with any firestorm that comes their way. I'm sure some owners aren't happy about it. We've already heard some reports that they weren't thrilled that Goodell went out and kind of did that on his own, that on his own video on Friday night. They've got to back them. They have no choice. And they're going to because otherwise they look ridiculous. It's interesting that you bring up Barkley because that was one of the two quarterbacks the 49ers signed in, in 2017, along with Brian Hoyer as Kaepernick uh, went out the door. So there's a sort of a double meaning to Barkley. Uh, I, I'm still skeptical, Matt. I, I, until I, I, I think hopefully you're right and they will right a wrong and we'll see, you know, what that looks like. I think, uh, you know, an actual fair chance to be on a team and who knows, maybe he'll get some, you know, guy, He'll get some opportunity to actually be on the field as well. Let's move over to another quarterback, and that was Drew Brees, who this was one of the more disappointing moments of the last two weeks now uh, in time for me. He, he, he makes a ridiculous statement about the flag, showing a stunning lack of awareness considering that he's – in the NFL, plays in New Orleans, a million different reasons why Drew Brees should have been more aware of what he was saying. But then he apologized. Maybe not the perfect apology, but he apologized. And it was pretty sincere. And his wife was extremely sincere. And you see the reaction. And maybe it's a vocal minority on social media. But he's getting cracked from one side saying, you should have stuck to your guns. And then the other side saying, well, we don't, don't, don't bother. We know exactly how you feel. Yeah. And, and I'm like, hold on. Now he's a man without a country. And e even though he should have known, we still have to give people, Drew Brees included, the right to evolve as a human being and learn. That's what part of this time is all about. And that was just, that was tough to see. But he's staying in there, though. I'll give him credit. You know what? So here's how I feel on the Brees. I saw the comments when, you know, right after they came out and they were making their way around social media. It is a stunning amount of ignorance to be in the NFL, to have been, of course, in the NFL now for essentially two decades, and to not understand where players are coming from three years ago that were on your team. I mean, that is incredible. And he got lambasted by a lot of players on his team. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Cam Jordan, a lot of guys came out. We're not happy with it. His first apology, to me, missed the mark. Okay, but as you say, apologies. Then he comes back out. I thought it was much more genuine and sincere. And then also writes an open letter to President Trump, okay, saying, well, essentially telling the president, I'm educating myself. You need to do the same. We need to learn more about this. I thought it was a, a powerful move on Breeze's part to write that open letter. 
especially after Trump had criticized him. And I, and I want to get back to that in a second because I think it's important. And, but I'll say this. I, I want to say this in the strongest yet clearest terms I can. Drew Brees was ignorant for his original statement. He may well still be ignorant about some of these things. I'm not saying he's not. I don't know what's in the man's heart. But this cancel culture that everybody loves to do when somebody makes a mistake is bullshit. Nobody is ever moving forward as a, as a person. Society's never moving forward if every time somebody makes an error, even if it's an ignorant one, but then they try to atone for it and they're shouted down by everyone on earth. Nobody's moving forward. It's a bullshit way to try to make some forward progress in the world. You're never going to do it. Everyone has their bad moments. Now, look, with Breeze, ignorant, absolutely. Should have known better from the start. Shouldn't have to be told this. Shouldn't have to be forced. No apology. No one's arguing that. But the man came out seemingly contrite and tried to do good and yet gets crapped on by all these people who scream that they want progress. Well, if you want progress, then at least acknowledge the apology and say, look, he shouldn't have had to make an apology. He shouldn't have made the statement in the first place. But the statement was made, the, the wrong was quote unquote righted. So th that is one part of this that I will say needs to change. The other thing I want to get to quick and then I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. The Trump thing, I don't want to get into the politics side of it, but I do think one portion of this does really matter. Three years ago when all this happened, he was in the beginning of his presidency. He is now, if you look at a lot of polls across the country, struggling mightily to stay in this conversation. In some areas, he's down 10 to 14 points. The reason I bring that up is if you don't think the NFL is acutely aware of that, you're out of your mind. They know that he might scream and yell and, and go berserk throughout the early part of the season as players are kneeling. And the, the NFL, if they live up to their word, is back in a peaceful protest. But they don't care if he gets elected out November 3rd. They do not care. Because at that point, the overwhelming majority of people who are voting him out are happy to see these players peacefully protesting. So the country's tenor is a lot different in a lot of ways. And don't think for a second that they're not very, very aware of how the presidential race looks as we sit here on June 9th. That's an interesting point. I, I would go so far as to guess, this is a guess, that there's plenty in the NFL on the ownership side who, even despite their political leanings, uh, and I'm, again, just guessing here, might prefer that somebody else was in office so there wasn't this much battle going on between the NFL and, and the White House. It is, it, that's been an extremely uncomfortable, I would think, position that the NFL has been put in. And, you know, you go back to the videos and he's up there screaming, you know, wouldn't you be happy if they took that son of a bitch, I think is the word that he used, you know, yeah. out, right? I mean, yeah, the, the NFL... The NFL does not need that. Nor do they want that. It, 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 it's, you know, come on. Well, I, and, and, and quickly I'll say, I think three years ago, and, and it was reported that Trump said this to a few different people, that, you know, you don't want this fight with me. It's a winning issue for me. I'm, you know, a, a lot of, of, the, of the right, frankly, the, the Republican base feels that this kneeling goes against, you know, some, some beliefs that they have for the country. And look, I'm not here to sit here and talk about Republican Democrat. I'm really not. But I do think this pertains strictly to the NFL. I will say that while Trump may feel that way, and he may, and I think he was right three years ago, I do not think he is right now. I think the worst thing he can do is fight the NFL on this. 
because they are not going to. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get your food. Your pet has a food. very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage get- for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs including with the purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. Give out this fight. They can't. They, they've come out and they've publicly backed the players. Before, they, they agreed with him in a lot of ways. They said, look, we don't want you kneeling. We'll stay in the locker room, whatever. They have bought, backed these players. Trump, to me, does not want this fight. It's going to look weak on his part after really looking like the bully in some ways and winning that, that argument three years ago. If he tries those same tactics now and they fall on deaf ears and, and, and nobody cares in the NFL, that's going to send the message of weakness to a lot of people in the weeks leading up to the election, that his voice doesn't carry the same weight. I do not think he should get involved in the NFL this time. I do not think it's going to have the same outcome. Just to be clear, I think I'm understanding you, but I want to make sure I am. When you say he was right before, I think you're saying that he was right, that he could win the argument. Yes. Not, yes. Not the, yes. Not the argument itself. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Did he, he feels that he could he could win that argument that he could carry right. that that day by kind of bullying the NFL into a corner. Right. He wasn't ever right in my opinion in how he felt about the the, the protests and whatnot. He was. We don't have to get into that. Anyone who follows me on Twitter knows exactly how I feel about all that stuff. But um, right. no. But he thought he could win that battle, and he was right that I think he did win that battle in a lot of ways three years ago. He he is going to have a tough time winning that battle this time. And in yeah. fact, I don't think there's any chance that he does. Yeah, no, I, I, I knew what you meant, but I wanted to clarify it. So, all right, let, let, let's ask this question. Will what's going on lead to real change uh, in the NFL office? Now, let me give a little bit of the history on that. Uh, number one, the NFL has never had a black CEO in its 100-plus year history. Uh, number two, right now, there are two African-American general managers. There's been others in the past, like Ozzie Newsom in Baltimore, who made Lamar Jackson, by the way, a first-round draft pick. The MVP last year of the league probably would not have been a first-round pick had there not been an African-American general manager sitting in that seat. I think that's a pretty safe bet. So there's that. There's three black head coaches in the league right now out of 32 teams. So let's just call that 10%. So there's a lot of ways, you know, and the league is 70% African-American. So there's a lot of ways here, not just in the words, but there's a lot of ways in which the NFL could be more reflective of the players in the league in the upper levels of the league. So let's, let's, let's include that in whether we, you actually think, Matt, there will be real noticeable movement going forward. Change tends to be slow in society, um, even when it shouldn't be. I think that will be the case in the NFL. I do think you know, the NFL was talking even earlier in the year about the Rooney rule and how now you, you have to interview a couple of minority candidates. And they went through some different iterations. It got, you know, widely panned uh, when the NFL talked about, you know, maybe you could improve draft pick compensation. That, that I think, rightfully so got, got thrown off to the wayside. But I will say this. I think the NFL is going to have to change. And it's not necessarily because of all these protests going on with police brutality and whatnot. I think it's because the face of the NFL, the first time, is a black face. It is of Mahomes. I think it is of a league that is moving more and more toward black star quarterbacks. 
you're talking about Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott and, and Deshaun Watson. They are the faces of the NFL right now. The old guard with Manning, and Brady, and Roethlisberger, and Breeze, and Rodgers to a degree. Listen, with all due respect to Rodgers and Breeze and, and, and Brady, and all, they're not the faces of the league right now. They're not. The face of the league is, is, a, is a person of color in Patrick Mahomes. It is a legion of black stars as the league now is 70% African-American in terms of players. They're not going to have a choice. I, I think they need to understand, look, th this is no longer the day and age in the 80s where, let's face it, I mean, the, the faces of the NFL were typically what? They were Marino and Elway and Montana, right? And in the 90s, you had Favre and Aikman and Steve Young. And it, it, it's not that way anymore. It's not. For the first time ever, you're looking at, if you want to talk about the face of the NFL, that face looking back at you is, is a black man. And that, so I think, Without question, the NFL is going to have to get better in terms of race. I think it will. I think it'll be slower than it maybe should be, but I, I think it will uh, make progress. And I think a lot of what's going on in the country right now, like I think for the first time in my life, and I'm 31, I feel like we're on the precipice of making some real change. And I, and I hope that we do. Yeah, it's it's been incredible, really. Uh, the amount and now duration of time that people have been spending going out and for the most part peacefully protesting. It's, uh, I, it's certainly, you know, it's nothing that I've ever seen. And I'm sadly 15 years older than you, Matt Ferdinand. So it, it, it definitely feels like a huge point in time. And for me, I am skeptical that we won't go back to doing what we always do is live our lives and, and be very comfortable in our, in our spaces and, you know, being involved in conversations and educating yourself. There's a lot of effort there that historically we, we have not, the evidence is overwhelming that we just don't do it because we don't have to. And when you don't have to do something, well, then sometimes you just don't. But what do you think we should look for here going forward? I immediate stuff outside of, you know, anybody getting hired or fired or anything like that. What do you, what do you think it looks like for the rest of the summer and into the start of the season? Well, look, we're not going to have any, any, you know, OTAs. We're not going to have any mini camps. That time is coming gone. So I think the next time we're going to be seeing these players, and the first time in a long time, will be training camp, where all these teams, all 32 clubs, are going to be uh, at their own facilities. They're not going to be traveling. Like, for an example, the Cowboys always go to Oxnard, California every summer. They will not be doing that. They'll be staying in Dallas. Um, so, you know, whether or not there are going to be fans allowed, I, I'm kind of dubious. I, I think there won't be. Um, yeah, you know, I, I can't imagine. I think that's kind of the point why they're staying at home. Um, you know, will there be media allowed? We don't know yet. There hasn't been really a clarification on that. So it's going to look different. We'll see if there are four preseason games for each team. We'll see if there's any preseason games for these teams. Um, but I think we're moving pretty well toward camps opening on time. I think the seasons are going to season will open on time, September 10th at Arrowhead Stadium. I'm I'm of the opinion, and this is strictly my opinion. I think there's going to be a decent amount of fans in the game. I really do. I think I think we're moving in that direction. Um, but look, I think I think right now, you know, in terms of what we've been talking about here and 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 whatnot, the NFL and and moving forward with with everything that's gone on, the tenor of the country. I think for the NFL, the next step is to look to get involved. It, it's to you know they are the NFL is incredibly powerful financially, both you know with its voice as well. Uh, with its presence, 
it, you know, the NFL long for, forever for my entire life and well beyond has partnered with the United Way, right? They've done a great job there. Maybe it's time to partner with some, some different charities. I'm not saying move away from the United Way, but in addition to the United Way, maybe it's time to partner with some charities and, and some foundations and some groups that, that help people of color, that help other minority groups in this country. And I think it's time for the NFL, essentially, to use a cliche, put your money where your mouth is. Um, I thought Goodell's statement on Friday was on point and did a good job. But that's words. Now it becomes it's got to be action. And I expect that when the players step on the field September 10th, if there are protests, I imagine guys are going to be kneeling. Now the NFL has to back those players. They cannot backtrack. They have to say, look, we told them they can peacefully protest. We're fine if the players peacefully protest. And I think they will be. The key mix of the Chicago Bears, who's been to a Pro Bowl and is one of their you know, key defenders and and Phenomenal defensive lineman. He, and a lot of other guys have asked, asked, been asked the same question about, are you guys going to kneel again? And Hicks was said, hey, uh, we've been there, done that. I'm more about doing something different, something more meaningful, even though that did not saying that didn't have meaning. So I look for the players to, I'm not, I don't know what it will be, but I don't think we're going back to we're just going to kneel again. I think I think there will be something more creative coming, and the conversation certainly is not going to be going away. But I wouldn't expect us to be like, oh, okay, now we're just going to all go back to doing what we did in 2017. We're just going to do it with less angst and and more people in it, you know, doing it during games. I, I don't think that's I don't think that's the plan, and I, I, and I don't think it necessarily should be the plan at all. Let, let's go forward and do something more interesting, um, or more active. I don't know. Uh, but you know, that's yet to be determined what exactly it will be, but I think that's where we're headed. Let's uh, move on here, Matt, into our, into the, into the future segment. We got four topics for you today. Drew cook, Dalvin cook, Drew locks, excuse me, Dalvin cook. Um, and we'll get to the Cowboys and some stuff with the off season NFL teams. But we start with Drew lock who kind of curiously went 15th overall in an ESPN mock draft, if you could pick anybody in the entire NFL, right? ESPN had Drew Locke, who started all of five games last year, as their 15th overall selection in the league right now, which seems pretty damn tall. Question uh, for you to start this off, Matt Verderam, is you know how how will that prediction look after 2020? We are expected to see Drew Locke on the field uh, as a starter for the Broncos for the entire season. Yeah, I'm going to say that prediction is not going to look good. Look, I, I think Drew Locke's a young, talented quarterback. Fifteenth, I mean, that is that's up there. That is really saying something. First of all, I think right now there's 15 quarterbacks in the league. I take over Drew Locke. Now, you could argue, well, he's a young guy. If you really love his upside, okay, I understand that. But that's that's rich. I mean, the first round, okay, sure, um, but 15th overall, that's. That's a bit aggressive. Like, I know he went 4-1 and one last year in his five starts, but if you look at his numbers, outside of a win in Houston where he played very well, he did not play particularly well this year. I, I, don't, I think that gets overblown a little bit what Locke did because of the record. But if you look at those games, okay, fine. Look, put aside the loss in Kansas City. No, no big deal. But, you know, he beat the Raiders at home. He beat the Chargers at home. I believe I, – I, I can't for the life of me right now remember the other team he beat um, other than Houston. 
I think it was Detroit. Maybe the Lions at home. He beat the the Lions, the Raiders, yeah. the Texans, and the Chargers. Yes, and the Chargers, right. And other than the Texans, all the games were home against bad teams. And frankly, he did not play particularly well in any of those games. So I think 15th overall. That's uh, it's about 15 spots or so at least ahead of where I would pick him. Yeah. So I, I listen. He's got solid. If if not, I wouldn't say spectacular, but his arm strength is is certainly there. Very good. He he has the willingness to put the ball into really tight spots. He has, I think, uh, a bond with Noah Fant. I mean, they they connected a bunch last year. So go Iowa, by the way. Rough week for the Hawkeyes and their coaching staff. Story for another time. But uh, I, I think the talent's there. I think it's interesting that that you're all in on it. I mean, Vic Fangio wasn't all in on Drew Locke, but he certainly is now. And, yeah, sure, he did beat great teams at the end of the year, but they did play better at the end of the season. So uh, if I'm a Broncos fan right now, I'm I'm, ex- I'm certainly excited to see what he's going to do. Oh, you should be. By the way, I, I'm picking him to be a wild card. So it's not like I'm, I'm not like – wait, I don't think he's going to be terrible. I just think to be 15th overall in the entire league, you, you've got to be, you know, Pro Bowl to, to all pro level players. Right. And look, if you also look at uh, his, his yards per attempt, they're they're awful low. Even these even with that yard, even with the arm strength, he's doing a lot of dink and dunk. So yeah. will they will they allow him to go down the field more? We'll, we'll see. But uh, I think it's one of the, the fun storylines, certainly in 2020, is what does Denver have in their quarterback? Definitely. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on to Delvin Cook. And will he get his contract from the Vikings? He's asking for a reasonable deal here, Matt Bergeram. Vikings going to step up? No. Nope. They're not. And whether you think they should or they shouldn't, no, they're not. You know why? Because of the new CBA, if he decides to hold out, he loses a year toward free agency. So there's no incentive for him to hold out. Zero. He's not going to hold out. Uh, and that position is – there's just there's no reason to to put a lot of, of effort into signing those players. I mean, unless, unless you have a generational back. You know, so like a, like a Barry Sanders. Why would you pay? Him? Why would you pay a running back? Nothing against Dalvin Cook, who's been who's been very good when he's been healthy. But Dalvin Cook's had an injury history. He's a very good player, but he's not. He's not like a Hall of Fame level running back. Like if I if I'm the Vikings, no, I would just let him play his contract out, tag him if I really wanted to, and then let him walk. I don't know, man. I think they need him. You you, you let Diggs walk out the door to Buffalo. Kirk Cousins is a whole lot better when he's got a real running back in there to run play action. Uh, he's not asking, obviously, for – he's asking for a third, really, of Cousins' money. Uh, and I get it. The running backs don't get paid what quarterbacks get paid. But you're, you're paying he, – and, he, and I, to me, I'm keying in on the word reasonable. Like, he's not – I don't think he's asking to be the top running back in the league. I think he'd, he'd settle for, you know, behind Zeke somewhere in that 10 to $12 million range. And if I'm the Vikings, I'm in on that investment. They look a whole lot better when he's on the field than the last couple of years than when they don't. I know he's missed 19 games, but I think, I, I think I'm in on that. I, I, it, Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. You know me, I'm a huge football fan, but it can be stressful for us super fans. So Progressive is going to help take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how your team threw the wrong ball on the wrong net, just think about how Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Well, hope this distraction about Progressive's Home Court Explorer was helpful. It sure helped me from stressing about my team for a bit. 
anyway, go sports. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Mike Zimmer likes, like you know, he's not going to be a guy that wants to throw it forty times. So I, no, I think they need him, and I, I don't think the I don't think what he's asking for is unreasonable. So I guess I'm, I'm betting it does get done. To be totally fair. I, I think what he's asking for is fine. I just don't think he's going to get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they to your point, they they could play hardball with him, and it could cost him as far as free agency, and that that's going to be something really interesting for him to measure. And maybe maybe the Vikings can still lowball him, uh, and and Cook will be happy with what he gets because it'll be far greater than what he's getting now. Um, but I, I'm going to guess that he does sign with the Vikes. So we're on different sides on this one. Let's do our off season and how this weird, whatever you're calling it, meeting on Zoom that every NFL team is doing. How do we think that's going to impact the off season and the NFL and the team specifically? Who's going to be behind? Who's going to be ahead? Or does it have any effect at all? What do you think, Matt? I think it's going to widen the gap between the really good teams and the really bad ones. Because teams, to me, that are really bad, they're bad for a reason. Not yet. Part of that is the level of talent, for sure. But also lack of organizational control, so to speak. I know it's more of a college football term. But um, I think, you know, especially, too, to be fair, and and this isn't a knock on these teams. It's just a reality. A lot of these teams that have a first-year head coach, new program, it, look, it, I, it's not going to be easy for them to do this on Zoom. Like, it's just not. I understand you can still get the playbook and everything else. It's not like it's a lockout. But this is going to be challenging, in my opinion, for these teams like the Giants, let's say, or even the Redskins, these first-year team or first-year head coaches in these new places. And I think teams like Baltimore, Seattle, New Orleans, Kansas City, uh, Pittsburgh, to me, this is a huge advantage for those teams because now those teams, like those teams, don't need OTAs. Like they're, they're great teams. They have they have teams that have been together for a long time. I think there's going to be a bigger divide uh, between those haves and have-nots. It definitely does matter about your situation. I mean, look at look at. Let's think about the Patriots. Brady's gone. You're starting Jared Stidham, which is a hell of a leap. The more time you have on the field, the better off for New England, even with Belichick being there for two decades, whatever. Uh, that's that's a huge negative to anybody who's going through a change. I mean, we just talked about the Broncos and Drew Locke. You tell yep. me they don't you, you don't want him on the on the field a ton. I mean, and then I'll I'll bring it back to my Chicago Bears. I think the Bears would love to be on the field and let Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles go at it here. And then you think about other players too, Matt, like if I'm Cam Newton and I still think I can play yep. and there's huge doubts out there, I want I want to be able to show it. So it's gonna have a, it's gonna have a big time impact. I don't think there's any way around it. Totally agree with it. I think it's I think it's going to really hurt these teams that have a young quarterback or that have a, a green head coach. Our last one is one that we've touched on almost every week here, and we're back at it again with Dak Prescott. And should the Cowboys be sweating it? We're now one month out here uh, from hopefully getting things going here. You weren't sweating it last week. You sweating it now? Not as not a ton, but more. It's another week that's gone by. We're going to talk about it every week until we hit July 15th or these signs, I'm assuming. Look, it, this is <laughs> – the closer it gets, the more pressure there is, and also there's, there's less wiggle room. Like if something goes wrong and there's all of a sudden more of an icy feeling than there already is, you have less time to correct it. Now, 
Deadlines spur action. We know that. That's across all sports. That's across life. But uh, if, I'm, if I'm a Cowboys fan, like, I still feel like it's getting done. But I'm getting more and more concerned about it because we are almost a month away. And I will say this. They really better pray that Mahomes doesn't sign. Because if Mahomes signs before that date, and it's for 40-some-odd million dollars, Dak is not going to get Mahomes' money. But I'm telling you right now, it is going to raise what he gets because all of a sudden it's going to the ceiling won't be Russell Wilson's 35 million and Jared Goff's 110 guaranteed. It'll be 150 or 160 million guaranteed as the ceiling now, and it'll be you know 200 million and 40 40 a year. And all of a sudden, if you're Dak, you're going okay. I'm not him, but I want to be close. I want to be near it, and that is that is not going to be good for the Cowboys. For the love of God, just get it done. It's really do, incredible. Do your deal, Jerry Jones. Maybe he's, maybe he's doing this because he wants to stay in the conversation. I don't know. There's yeah, no. I mean, I, it, it's, it's ludicrous, man. Like, no offense to Amari Cooper, is a terrific player. Does anyone on earth think Amari Cooper is worth $20 million a year? Only in Dallas for a and brief the moment of time. Is because they traded a first round pick for him and they screwed up. They thought they were going to have two tags to work with in the offseason, but then the new CBA happened earlier than people thought, okay, because they were just going to tag him and tag Dak. But they, they paid Ezekiel Elliott way too early. They should have told Zeke, stay in Cabo. We don't care. See you in September. We're going to pay Dak, and then we'll tag Cooper if we have to, and fine. That would have been it. That's what they should have done. Anyone in the legal say that. In fact, I had a few different people – when it was all going on with Zach, uh, with excuse me, with, with Zeke, who I reached out to in the league, and people said, "Yeah, I, I, you always pay the quarterback first. They screwed up, and now it, co- it cost them a ridiculous amount with Amari Cooper. It's costing them with Zeke because that that contract. They they better hope he's great till he's thirty, or that's a ridiculous contract. And now Dak, they could have signed him for less than what Jared Goff got if they signed him a year ago. Now." Not anymore. Now he's going to get paid big time. Yes, he is. And once you make a mistake in life, just karma advice here, don't double down and compound it. You know, you, you got to eat it. Move forward. Otherwise, uh, you're, you'll be heading towards some level of bankruptcy uh, unless you can just print money, which is a beautiful thing, I guess, for some. All right. Segue. In or out, Verderam. We got four for you. And we're going to start with your guy, Patrick Mahomes. Are you in or out that he'll win the MVP for the second time in three years, in or out? So I think essentially this is – I'll say out because it's, it's Mahomes against the field, right, in that, in that way. So I'd say out. Now, but if you said to me, who do I think will win it? Him. <laughs> like, and I'll tell you why. A, I think he's, he's got the best team around him he's had in his three years. They're loaded. They have, they have McCall Hardman in his second year, Tyreek in his prime. Sammy Watkins is back. Travis Kelsey's racking up 1,000-yard year after 1,000-yard year. If you said to me you have to pick somebody, I mean, he is the odds-on favorite, by the way, in Vegas. Um, him. I think, I think they're the best team. I think he's the best player on the best team, and he's the face in the league. So he's always going to get that popularity vote as well. But, of course, if you said him or the field, I think you'd be a fool not to take the field. Mm. Give me a sleeper MVP pick, Matt. Give me somebody outside of Mahomes, outside of Lamar going back-to-back. Kyler Murray. Wow, I love that one. 
because he played really well last year. They added DeAndre Hopkins. Kenyon Drake's there for the full year. Kingsbury now is his feet wet. They added to the offensive line. I'm big on the Cardinals this year, man. I, I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl or anything. I think the Cardinals are going to be good. Like, I think the Cardinals are going to win nine or ten games. And if I'm wrong and the Cardinals win 12 games, like if they pull a Niners this year and they do something like that, which, again, I think is premature, but if they do it, then maybe Murray is in that conversation. I, look, I think, I think Murray has a lot of pieces around him to be very successful. I love that answer. And for the record on Mahomes, I'm in. I, I don't – and this is nothing against Lamar Jackson, but I don't think he's going back-to-back -back with the ridiculous year that he had last year. I think he'll be damn, damn good. But I, I, will, I will take the Mahomes against the field pick right now going into 2020 and feel pretty comfortable about it. So Is, is Mahomes, all kidding aside, I'm not yeah. saying the best, is Mahomes the most talented quarterback you've ever seen in your life? Oh, that's such a tough call. He's certainly up there. I mean, like, like pure talent. It, it, it's it's yeah. weird what's going on in my head right now because I, I'm, like, thinking about – like to me, like Dan Marino, as far as pure talent, the guy could throw it seven million miles an hour, and he could get it out in less than a second, seemingly, right? Yeah, like, th those are ridiculous. Yeah, so those are ridiculous talents. Now, obviously, Marino couldn't run with the football, and he's not making lefty passes and everything else that Mahomes brings to the table. Um, so there, there's a certain naturalness to Mahomes. It, it just—it seems like it comes so easy for him, and I know it doesn't. He's an incredibly hard worker and all that type of stuff, but that I don't think I've actually seen in anyone else. Like it, it's sort of there's sort of like a Montana feel to just the, although I'd say that Joe's like pure throwing motion was smoother, and and I mean every single throw from Montana when he, I mean it's misremembering, but it always felt like it was right in the perfect spot every single time, right? So, but there's there's a there's an ease to Mahomes that I don't think I've ever really seen. Well, the only reason I brought it up, and I'll be brief. But and by the way, to speak to your point about Montana, he was the MVP in '89. He completed seventy percent of his throws in 1989. That is just insane. Like at a time when like guys are completing like fifty-two percent of their throws, seventy percent. It's like a guy completing eighty-five percent now. But in any event, during our quarantine, so to speak, I've been watching a lot of like old YouTube games because I've just been hanging out, living the dream. He, you know, everyone always says, like, it's him or it's Aaron Rodgers. It's him or it's Aaron Rodgers. I'll give you a guy I think people almost, like, forget about a little bit. When I watch John Elway, that's who Mahomes reminds me of. Because Elway could move, man. When he was young, like, Elway could really, like, take off, be mobile, a ridiculous arm, a big guy like Mahomes is. I mean, as, as someone who grew up a Chief fan, believe me, nobody hated John Elway more than me. He crushed me as a child many a time. But when I watch Mahomes and I watch Elway, I see a, I see a very, very, very similar guy. I, I loved Elway, and the arm strength have always stood out. And his just incredible clutch gene, whatever you want to call it, that John Elway had, like so many of the greats did. But Elway was – give me that fourth quarter. Give me, give me John Elway down, down two, down six, whatever it is. I'm betting on him coming through. Um, here, let's go through these. Uh, someone other than Joe Burrow will win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. In or out, Matt Bergeron? I'm out. I think Burrow's going to have a huge year. I think he's going to win it going away. 
I do. I don't know that Tua is going to play the whole year. I don't, I, I don't think Herbert's ready to play the whole year. Even if he does, I don't think he's going to put up numbers like Burrow. There wasn't a running back taken early. The earliest guy was Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I just think with the Chiefs, he's just not going to get the ball enough. You know, so um, I don't look Burrow, I think the Bengals are going to have a good offense. They drafted T. Higgins in the second round. A.J. Green coming back. They got Tyler Boyd, who had a really good year last year. They have Joel Mixon. Zach Taylor is a really good offensive mind. And they're going to be down a lot because defense stinks. Like, I, I think Burrow is going to have a, a big time year. I think he's going to run away with it. Uh, I'm with you on that. I, I, you know, look, we were down at the national championship game. Seeing that guy up close and personal, pretty damn impressive. So, It'd be very feeling unwise to uh, to go against him. Who who did the Raiders pick in the first round? I, I, I wrote it down, but can't find my notes. They took uh, they took uh, the kid out of Alabama, Henry Ruggs, and then they yeah. also took Damon Arnett the corner. So that's my sleeper. I think I think Henry's right. going to get the ball a lot in Las Vegas. I mean, Derek Carr's looking for somebody to throw the ball to. The Raiders have been woeful as far as options. So I, I, there's my sleeper, uh, but I'll but I'll but I'll stick with Burrow. Um, all right, let's do Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are you in or out, Matt Bertrand, that the Steelers are a Super Bowl contender this year? Uh, I'm in because I think they're the third best team in the conference if he's healthy. Now, I've been on record as saying I think Buffalo is the third best team because I just don't know that Roethlisberger is healthy. I, you know, 38 coming off Tommy John, that's a, that's a big hurdle to clear. Um, but if he's healthy, Look, their defense is top five in the league, and he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, and they have some weapons, even without Bell and Brown and all those guys. I mean, he still has Juju Schuster and James Conner and James Washington and Vance McDonald. So I think they are a fringe contender. I think things would have to go right for them. But look, could I see the Ravens taking a step back and the Steelers winning that division? Yeah. If Roethlisberger's healthy, yeah, I could. I absolutely could. So – um, I don't think they're as talented as Kansas City or Baltimore. But, you know, look, things happen. The Ravens have some injuries. If the Chiefs have an off week or two. Uh, I do think Pittsburgh's good enough. To, yeah, you have to consider them at least to be a threat. Uh, you know, but they, but they need help. They need help. And that is obviously the huge question with Roethlisberger. So I'm going on the out on this one. And I actually think – and I don't want this tape to be replayed if I'm wrong. But I do want it to be replayed if I'm right. I got the Browns ahead of the Steelers this year, Verderam. We got uh, we got a defense coming back around Miles Garrett. We've got Baker Mayfield saying all the right things. He's about actions and not words. Uh, we got a very old Ben Roethlisberger. So yes, uh, there there is pieces around Ben as far as you know Steelers hanging in there, but I think it's going to fall apart for Pittsburgh this year, and, and I think they're in the bottom half of that division. So okay. I all right, Cleveland. I'm, I'm in on you right now, which feels very risky. Let At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Wait, every time you wake up is the same day? That's terrible. Yeah, don't worry. I call Progressive. Their 24-7 protection still works, even if my day does last forever. Yeah, but don't you want it to end? Are you kidding? I win the lottery whenever I want and never regret anything. It's the best. Yeah, that's a good point. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Last one is the Eagles, and are they the favorite over Dallas in the NFC East? In or out on Philly as the favorite? In. I think they're the best team in the, in the uh, division. I think they will be a Super Bowl contender provided Wentz stays upright. Another 
Pennsylvania quarterback who's got to stay healthy. Um, they're just, to me, they're, they're a more complete team. They do need some production out of those rookies. Jalen Rieger's got to come in uh, as a receiver for them, first-round pick. He's got to, he's got to produce. He's got to play well. Um, but I just – look, Dallas has got to just prove it to me, man. I, I just – and I know they've won the division a couple times recently. I get that. They just – they were so inconsistent and so bad last year. I mean, Philadelphia basically was playing with you and me at the end of the year, and Philly won that division. And it, to me, Philadelphia is healthy. That defense is, is very good up front. Um, their offensive line is excellent. And so I, I don't think it's a huge gap, but I like Philly. I'm buying in on Dallas, another one that I don't want replayed if I'm wrong. But come on, Mike McCarthy. You're gonna, Dak's going to get his money at some point here. The Cowboys, they should not have been an 8-8 eight eight football team last year. That was no, – God, no. Should have right. won 11 games. Right. So, look, Dallas, uh, the whole Jason Garrett thing is over. You got your guy. I, I'm not – I mean, I, I still am not a huge lover of Mike McCarthy. I feel like Aaron Rodgers was on the right side in Green Bay and not McCarthy. But I am, I am betting on an uptick. So, I will take Dallas over the Eagles. So, I am out on, on Philly winning the NFC East. We wrap it up here. Looking forward. What's going on in your life right now, Matt Verderam? I, I There's rumors on the street that your parents are coming to visit. Is this true? I can confirm. Uh, parents coming out Saturday with the dog. Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody. Uh, Maisie's been running around the house screaming, Mimi, Pop, Mr. Duke. So she's, she's very excited. Um, yeah, it'll be good. I haven't seen him since Christmas. So they're coming out for six days. Um, Going to have a nice time. My dad and I will be doing a bunch of work around the house. He wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, they'll be spending time with uh, with the queen, so uh, all things are good. Looking forward. It's a nice time of year for the for the Verderans. They, they come out here for a week, and then end of July, early August. Steph and I and Maze will go out there for a couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, all things good. How uh, how are things in in Carmland? Things are looking up, Matt Verderam. I played tennis, I think, three days in a row last week, which was. Just incredibly enjoyable. Um, so my my COVID nineteen weight is slightly turning in the right direction. That's huge, and uh, yeah, I I think uh, my 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 lovely bride and I there's there's a there's a chance that sometime soon we'll actually go out and have dinner and take the plunge and sit outside somewhere. So looking forward to that normalcy coming around here, and. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed that uh, get to see the old uh, Papa Ruski who's doing crazy stuff like living at different grocery stores and whatever else he's been doing and not 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 paying attention to what's going on, although he says that he wears his gloves and, and whatnot when he goes out, although I don't really truly believe that at all. Um, what, is your, uh, what is your best shot in tennis? A little forehand slice, a little back <laughs> I mean, what, what, what is your best shot? Uh, my best shot in tennis. Don't be That's, bad, Arm. You play uh, all the time. I, I have a very – I'll give you an honest answer, Bert. I have a very consistent backhand. And, and most uh, most people, when they play the sport uh, on the level that I play it, they attack the backhand side. And so it actually plays into a strength of mine because I, I don't really miss on that side. So I'm just going to – I'll sit there and hit with you forever. Now, if you play it at my forehand, I get a little impatient. All of a sudden, I'll swing it a little too hard. Next thing you know, 
you know, I'm flying the ball out and the point's yours and you didn't really have to do a whole lot to earn it. So I'm still working on that game, that side of the game here, getting a little, just, you know, trying to let the racket do the work, if you will. Go ahead. I see you smiling. Uh, no, I, I'm curious. Like, I, on the backhand, do you like to go cross court or do you like to try to shoot it down the line? Uh, an interesting, an interesting tennis question out of you, Bertram. Um, you didn't see that coming. No, no, I didn't. You know, I'm here I'm watching uh, the majors. I just don't watch anything. Yeah. <laughs> so on my return of serve on the backhand side, I'm normally, I, I don't go. I very rarely will hit a cross court. It's 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 normally if it's on the if it's on the ad side, it's normally down the line. If it's on the deuce side. I generally push it back to the other forehand because you're. I'm always a little bit late. So I'm, I, you know, I don't, I don't uh, get out in front, and and that to me is cross court on the return. However, in the point, uh, most times I'm trying to take that thing back cross court to the, you know, it gives me a lot more room, a lot, lot, lot less risk in that shot, and I'm playing back at your backhand, which generally is going to be an advantage for me. But I don't mind going down the line and trying to hit a winner every now and then if I can lull you to sleep. Is that is, is, is that sad? are you satisfied? I am. I am. I, I, I like to see. I want to see a little topspin cross court, you know, sure, try, to, try to get sure. the guy over, extend it out in front, and then you can just charge the net and, and slam her down there. But, uh, yeah, I, I like to talk a little tight. A, a sure. good solid slice on the backhand side is not terrible either, but for the record, I don't think this part's going to make the video so I can move around more as I'm jumping around here. All right. I'm being told to wrap it up. No more tennis talk. Okay. Great to great to be with you. We covered a lot of ground today. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, Stack in the box, of course. So we're doing it every every other week right now in the off season, unless some uh, huge news breaks. And of course, we'll jump on in here. But thank you for listening. Subscribe, tell a friend, um, all of it. We we greatly greatly appreciate it. And good to be with you, Matt Burram. Stay safe. Great 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 stuff today. You too, Carm. Take care. This podcast is brought to you by Fansided. Join our community of over 300 sites, sports to pop culture, and everything in between. Progressive presents Forced Metaphors about bundling your home auto and other vehicles. In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto, but also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, it's also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies, which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.